I'm Josh Liston from On The Bubble Podcast, an oral history of television fandom, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com. Welcome to episode number 66 of Better Podcasting Live Chat. I am Steven, and I'm pleased to say that with Order 66 is SP. It's not a 66 unless you throw in a good Star Wars reference there. I mean, it's just there. It's set up. You got to do it. Ah, for all of those of you who listen to the show and don't get that reference, I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry that you don't get the Star Wars reference. There's a lot of Star Wars references that I'm guessing you're not going to get because you haven't seen everything. Ah, well, not everything, no, but I did finally catch up on Ahsoka. So we finished that. Um, and then now it was time for me to go back and see all of the references that I missed in Ahsoka by watching the cartoons. But this is not the podcast for that. No, but I want to take that and run with it. So okay, okay. you watched you watched Ahsoka, which is what, a six episode or eight episode mini series, basically, is yeah. what it is. Yeah. But it's set within the broader Disney Plus Star Wars universe that has had several, same with Marvel, has had several short series. And the only series that they've redone now between the two is Marvel Loki, where you're having Loki season two right now. And it's just another short six episode spin. So my point is, if you're doing a podcast and you're doing just short little stints of seasons, let's right. just say they're seasons, right? Okay. <clears throat> and they're interrelated. They're not exactly the same thing, but they're all interrelated. Would you want to keep those on the same feed, kind of like what Star Wars and Marvel does within Disney Plus, or would you want them to be separate series that are just thrown out to different, I don't know, streaming services? That's a great question. I think it would depend on how often the seasons are coming around. Um, and also your current listener base. Like if you if they were short podcast stints that were generally related, I think the go-to answer is yes, throw them on the same feed. I think you might as well do that if they are if they are obviously related and there's going to be an obvious shared audience. Or if, say, you are somebody who actually has a presence and you know that people are going to maybe be listening to your show for you and your co-host presence. That's the thing. Uh, I think that probably makes a lot of sense. But if, say, you are doing a podcast on paint drawing for six episodes and then you're doing a podcast on Star Wars, the shorts that people wear in Star Wars, those are very different subject matters. And so I think that would be hard to say, even if they are very spaced apart, the seasons, I, I fail to see the connection between the audience that's wanting to watch uh, or listen to a podcast about people wearing shorts in Star Wars, Star Wars shorts and paint drying. I just don't see the correlation there. I think it would be applicable if you had like a tabletop play podcast where you're doing short campaigns that might not be related but that you're playing different games or doing different campaigns within the same game different characters maybe and i could see that where you're just doing a short um uh, playthrough right or sessions well, multiple I, sessions or whatever and i think with your response you've in your response defined the overarching niche the overarching theme which is related so i i think that that makes sense because there is a natural 
bridge between the the different sh uh, podcasts. And I could see the same thing with an audio drama where you could have short little mini series that are well, let's take the Hallmark Channel, for instance. So you have Hallmark Channel movies, yeah, right? They're yeah. not they're not all technically in the same universe, but they're, they're all the same like genre. They're all the same. You could probably take the elements of one two hour <laughs> Hallmark movie and then apply it to the other two hour <laughs> Hallmark movie. You know, and it doesn't matter what season it is anymore either. It could be the summer. It could be Halloween. It could be, you know, holiday time, whatever. Or Valentine's Day. You know, really, the Hallmark Channel is like a Valentine's Day channel, even though they're known for their Hallmark holiday movies or whatever. But yeah, I could see that. And when you apply it to something else, I think, let me take it this far. So say you're a TV review podcast. Okay, or I'm that's a TV the subject, review podcast. And that's the su subject matter that you're covering. You're covering one TV show like, what I forget if you're a CSI guy or you're an NCIS guy, I forget. All all of the above. Okay, we'll pick one. NCIS Galactica. Okay, so you do NCIS Galactica, which is a show that doesn't exist. I'm pr pretty sure there. You just try to throw me a curveball there. But you do NCIS Galactica, and then you go and do a season of The Bachelor. Like, it's yeah. it's not going to be really good to have those two entities on the same feed i i agree with your assessment on that 100 percent. and i think though if you were extending your thought a little bit if you were to to say do a, a short season on ncis galactica and then maybe csi the next generation and also you might do something like um criminal minds Trying to think of another sci-fi reference here. Uh, you know, uh, something that was all crime dramas in short seasons. There is that natural gap that, or the natural bridge. So, so it would work. Right. But if you get off of the review genre, like we just were yeah. in, and you did like a, a history season, like you were really going in depth on, you pick your era in history. I, I don't really care, but you pick an era in history and you do a history podcast, but then you do a podcast on AI, you, you know, a series on AI, and then you do a series on, I'm trying to think of like libraries, <laughs> you know, books or, or, or whatever. Those would be, you could relate them, but I'm, I'm trying to make them intentionally unrelated. It's interesting because I know what you're doing. You're, you're trying to make them unrelated, but depending on your style, depending on maybe your, your uh, criteria, your history, your resume, I could actually see that working where it's like a deeper look in a certain topic for a season. And as long as those those deeper topics were all explored in a similar manner, I think you could make the crossover if they if they all followed a similar format. You might be a little limited with what you could pick, but but I think that, you know, if someone's listening to you for your thoughts or your investigation or your um spin on on a look in something that is you know potentially bland like a, like a piece of history they you know anybody can go to wikipedia and look that up um they might be okay with that same style to a different um piece of history that is not necessarily related so i i think depending on the theme and the format it could possibly work if you had a very unique flavor i don't know 
The reason why I think this is an important discussion for a lot of reasons. First of all, if you are podcasting and then you want to do, pick up a second show, but you're like, eh, I'll just keep it all on one feed, might not be the best thing, right? It depends. It just depends. The other thing that I want to state is oftentimes you get somebody that's interested in podcasting, but and they might be interesting to listen to, but they just can't pick a, a topic to make their podcast about. They go, ah, I want to make a podcast, but I don't know what I want to podcast about. I think personally, that's a bad idea. I think you should pick some sort of central theme or topic yeah. that you are going to be discussing on your show, whether that's an interview show with multiple topics or whether that's a specific topic. I mean, you have to have a central theme and you can't just wander all over the place with your show. So for those people out there that are trying to learn how to podcast or start their podcast, I would say pick a theme, whatever that is, and then stick with that theme. And then if you need to move off the theme, I would either rebrand, which there's a whole other discussion about taking an existing show and rebranding it. It's possible, but I would apt to do the other one and that's start a new show. And if you're changing formats as well, that's another reason to throw out a new show. Like Steven, we have three branded better podcasting shows. You have the main show, which we're not doing right now. Uh, we're doing the live chat version of the show, but we created a new feed for the live chat yeah. because the format was significantly different. Even though the subject matter was pretty much the same, the format was significantly different. So we chose to have a new feed. Uh, we used the, <clears throat> the media better podcasting. We used that branding. And then we just said better podcasting live chat. And then when I started better podcasting chats with SP, I used the same branding. Now in retrospect, I've admitted it because you have live chat in both of those show names, probably not the best thing to do. Right. But we have rebranded. So that is a conversation I have with other hobby podcasters about their journey and experience in podcasting, which is different from us talking about podcasting in a live format, which is different than the main show, which we prepare remarks for. So I could see rebranding a show and starting a new show for all of that. I don't think I would want, even on a master feed, I don't think I would want all three of our shows on a master feed. No. And I just want to say that we have three, but I know that you and I were talking about creating a fourth one. Um, it's going to be kind of unrelated to podcasting. I think we were going to talk about our different uh, different ways that we go fishing for cod, and it was going to be called Better Codcasting, if I remember correctly. That was our fourth show we were going to start. We had discussed that last winter, yeah, yeah. and uh, it did not materialize this summer, so stay tuned for next summer. Summer of 2024. <laughs> Uh, well, we'd love to know, uh, your thoughts on all of this. Uh, what experience do you have doing different shows with the similar theme or maybe, uh, putting different shows on the same feed or deciding to split things off? Let us know, get in touch with us through any of the ways you can email podcast at betterpodcasting.com. Find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com forward slash contact, or come to our discord at betterpodcasting.com slash discord. So last show, I ended it by saying, you know, we got a new app. Patreon has rebranded. Right. And Stephen, I don't know if you use Patreon. I don't know if you're a patron of anybody out there. Are you? I am, but I don't use the Patreon app. Okay. So do you want to disclose what app you use or it's okay? I, I just go to the Patreon site. Okay. So 
Patreon has rebranded and not rebranded, but they've retooled both in, I can't speak for the Android side of the house, but on the web presence and on the iOS app. And I'll tell you, the iOS app is a little bit lacking. I said I wanted to fool around with it a little bit and get to know it. And it's difficult for me to get to know it. One of the reasons why is I haven't found, and there's probably an easy way to do it, but I haven't found a way that it can just bring up all the creators that I support. It's it's in it's some sort of a feed where you're watching uh, everything that that uh, is in the that's coming into your feed. So there is a, a play or a downloads and a purchases, and so that's basically a sequential feed. Think of it in terms of social media, really. And then there's communities where you have some chats that are available, depending on your creator that you follow. They may or may not have a chat in there. So there's that. And then there's like a home button, which is, it's just really weird. It shows different creators and then like their first like two or three creations that are available or the latest two or three creations that are available. And it's just very difficult to hone in on a specific creator that you're supporting in the past. You used to be able to use the menu to go to all the uh, memberships that you are supporting and be able to go to them and see what's new or go back in their feed pretty easily. And now it's it's very difficult to do that. And it's more of a stream. Like these are the things that are available, like social media would do. I have a little bit of a problem not being able to get to the creators easily. And if your creator hasn't, published anything in a little while, which in some cases they don't, it's going to take you a little while to get to them. So I just think that the iOS version anyway would be better if they did that. Now on the web version, you have a bar on the left-hand side with all your memberships that just comes up. So at least that's there on the web version. Do they, do they tend to the bar? No, they, they give you know, tips to the bar, they go up and they order drinks and, okay. you know, maple syrup and Perfect. stuff like that. Yeah. So it's just, mm, I get what they're trying to do. You've just lost functionality specifically in the iOS app. And I don't know if anybody mm. else is having the same problem or not, but I'm not enjoying the rebrand from that perspective. Okay. So then let's go with a rating system. So rating from 10, fantastic. Knocked it out of the park to... Well, we'll go with one, but I was going to try to say, um, quote, I already hate it, end quote, which was from Damien last week. Um, <laughs> we'll throw that down at the one end. So, well, I'll definitely say it's uh, it's down lower, like a two or a three at the at the tops. Right. Wow. Because because it is such a change. Usually, you know, I'll take iOS 17 that just came out as an example. iOS 17 changed a few things around the Apple architecture, and they didn't go all in. They didn't change everything all at once. They changed a few select areas. They're notable areas, but they didn't change some of the underlying stuff that you're used to. And some of the problem is you just get used to using a UI after a while. and if you've been using that same UI for years, in some cases, it's hard to change. And then you're just used to finding the stuff a certain way. And then when you find out that, oh, some UI engineer said it's better if we do it this way, and they completely negate everything that mm -hmm. you've been conditioned to and learned, that's what Patreon has done. 
especially on the iOS app. And on the web app, it's almost there. But like I said, they kept some stuff so that you could navigate a little bit easier. But on the app, it is, I don't even know what all the tabs are for on there. I just am not used to it. I can't find the stuff that I'm normally able to find. And it makes me want to like not support any new uh, new creators on that app anymore because it's like I can't find you. And I know there's other apps out there that people use to support. I don't use them. I am exclusive to Patreon or Patreon, but it's uh, I don't like it. And as a podcast, it's a lot of podcasters, a lot of hobby podcasters have Patreon pages. And I, if I was a creator, a podcaster with a Patreon page. I'd be a little concerned about this because you're going to off-put enough people that they want to stop supporting just because they don't want to deal with the app. So I have a concern about it. So obviously I, I said I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not going to comment about um, the, the specifics about it. But one of the things I'm always reminded about in, in situations like this, and, and I know you're a, you're a guy that's had, uh, had his fair share of hours in an office, and I always go to the, the office printer. <clears throat> the office printer being the printer contracts up with the company and they sign a new contract with a different printer company and everybody has to le learn the new printer. And everybody always thinks the old printer was better and they hate the new printer. And eventually they get used to the new printer and eventually the new printer, they start to find some of the things that they actually are, are better about that new printer. And eventually they forget about the old printer other than, you know, sitting around telling stories every now and then at the annual reminder and celebration of the old printer. That, that's, but that's a once a year annual thing. So I wonder, is this like the office printer where eventually you'll start to get used to it or people will start to get used to it uh, and maybe some of those benefits or what, whatever they perceive them to be in the new app will start to come to fruition or is it is situation and we've seen the opposite where, yeah, the company does sign a, a contract for a bad printer and everybody hates it. So, you know, it could it could be either way. And and I've not seen it, so I can't comment. It could be that this is a more beneficial layout for the purpose of what the app is, which is supporting your creators. If you're going to get there, don't do it all at once. Change a few things, but leave some areas that are still the same so that you can find them. But then you get used to the other newer areas. And then after a while, six months, a year, then you change those areas that you haven't to the new way. I think that's what you, that's the way you do that. You don't just completely cut off everything and go to a completely different way to do things. I guess the one thing that I'll say is if you get a new car, like if you haven't gotten a new car for 15 years and you go from your car that was a, a, a 2000 car to a 2015 car or a, a 2024 car or whatever, there's going to be some drastic changes in the UI of how you drive the car. Yes, there's a steering wheel, gas pedal, you know, if it's gas. And so if you get a new gas power car, I'm not going to go electric, but that could be the case. Actually, that's a better example. If you get an electric car in 2024 and you had been driving a gas 2000 car, it's going to be night and day between the two. You're going to feel lost and you're going to have some cases where you're going to run out of battery because you just you don't know how much battery that you have left. 
And it's just going to be an issue. Whereas if you've had a hybrid for a little while, it's more of a change to go over. You've made that crossroads over. And some hybrids out there, like my dad has a Highlander, you can go electric only. It's it's the slower speed and you have limited range, but you can use a Highlander 100% electrical. That's a hybrid. So that's just an example of something that's helping an older folk, an older fellow that is transitioning over to an EV from a gas vehicle. I think the same thing is true with this app. They've gone from a 2000s gas vehicle to a 2025 electrical vehicle. And it's just too much of a change for me. Well, I think that one, um, I'd like to take your car analogy and go further with it. Um, and I think a good example of that is when you look at some of these new modern vehicles, um, some of them are, are eliminating old physical buttons and P it's too much for people. Like, you know, you go in and people are like, I have to use a touch screen to adjust the, 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 the temperature. I can't just reach over and physically do that. Or, or, you know, I don't have a physical volume button anymore. I have to use a touchscreen when their entire life they've gone just reaching a knob. And these are common complaints that come up. And there are people who won't go to a modern style vehicle like that because of that. And they might, you know, lean right into your EV example. They might choose to go for something that is less powerful um, of an electric vehicle because it it takes from the days of old. It's a, an electric vehicle that largely lays with a, a similar design to the older style vehicle because something like hopping into a Tesla is just too different for them, even though the Tesla might be a better vehicle on paper. And so, you know, you look at that and, and it's all around us. It's not just podcasting. People are, are okay for change to a degree, and then they have a clear line where they're just like, I can't do it. Uh, or a lot of people are like that. Yeah, I forgot about the physical button deal. <laughs> I have some functions in my Jeep that I no longer have a physical button for. It's touchscreen that I have to deal with. So yeah, I completely understand that. And and I do still have physical buttons in my car. But there are some activities or capabilities that I can only activate using the touchscreen. And I'm not even talking about the CarPlay, which I use. I'm just talking about inherent capabilities on the vehicle. And it's really, <laughs> it's <a> 2017. <laughs> so it's it's not even today's car. Matter of fact, I was just thinking, oh, I got to start looking at a new car now. And I'm thinking, oh, great. What kind of dashboard am I going to get with this next one? I'm a rocket scientist. I like the, you know, glass cockpit sort of thing. But I, I worry about it in a vehicle, especially if you've grown up in the, bitter cold of the north you start thinking about what if it's too cold and the <laughs> screens crack you, you think about these things right yeah. so yeah well all right. speaking of da vinci resolve uh, all right <laughs> sorry love that transition there I've, i just had to do it but oh, is there anything else you want to throw into the patreon talk before we talk to vinci resolve are you good yeah if they would have some sort of video editor inside <laughs> patreon to help podcast creators i think that would be the next step forward there we go which segues nicely to davinci <laughs> resolve thank you for the second opportunity there uh so i mentioned last week i was going to make the switch back to davinci resolve and i did i i edited last week's gonna geek show which still isn't released yet because i'm a slacker and also last week's better podcasting live chat in DaVinci Resolve. I did make the change back. And honestly, I'm I'm happy I did it. Yes, there's a couple things that I do miss about Vegas, but uh, I think it was the right decision for me. Uh, it, it's just 
for all the reasons I mentioned last week. But in the process of doing that, I realized I had kind of neglected uh, upgrading DaVinci Resolve over the <gasps> year that I've used it. I hadn't really done anything. And so I looked and I upgraded from version 18.1.2006 to 18.6.1. Now, that might sound like a fairly large amount of number changes, considering we're talking 18.1 up to 18.6. But uh, there was, I, I looked up a log history of it, and there was somewhere along the way that it looked like they'd done a couple of jumps. So um, it wasn't, it, there, there was a decent amount of change for sure. But I did go back, and I wanted to mention something right out of the box. I had a crash, SP. <gasps> you had a crash with your computer or with DaVinci? DaVinci Resolve. So as I uh -huh. so what happened was in, in a similar way to many other pieces of software, when a version upgrades and you try to open an, a project file from a previous version, sometimes it makes you upgrade that specific project file. So when I opened up the previous, so I upgraded DaVinci Resolve, then opened my previous project for live, better podcasting live chat in DaVinci Resolve. I got a notice that said I had to upgrade the project version. Basically, once I clicked upgrade, I could never open up that project version in an old version of DaVinci Resolve again. It wasn't going to work. It was going to mean that I had to be at a certain version of DaVinci Resolve from that day forward trying to open that project file, which is fine. That's that's something we've encountered in the Magix projects over the years, and I'm sure there's other DAWs like that. Well, anyways, when I started to go through and try to edit, I ended up trying to, as you might expect, hit delete to be able to delete certain portions of, of the clips. I wouldn't want to take something out while I edit. And every time I did that, it crashed. Got a message saying DaVinci Resolve un quit unexpectedly. And then I could file hmm. a report. And um, I could actually put in a request for, for them to contact me if I wanted to as well, which makes me feel like it's actually maybe there is a chance somebody reads those reports, unlike every other report that I ever hit yes to. Um, but it was easily solved just by rebooting Windows. So I'm not sure if something weird happened in the upgrade. I'm pretty sure I rebooted in between, but uh, a reboot fixed it and never had the issue happen again. But it was something I wanted to mention because I had mentioned I had had not had just a, uh, a hard crash in DaVinci Resolve. I'd had other issues uh, happen with it. But uh, yeah, this was uh, took me back to Vegas <laughs> with, with the just the random crash and, and repeatable at that. So um, just thought, you know, got to call out the problems when they come up. You are using Windows 11, correct? I am, yes. I'm using Windows 11. Okay. I think that's important to denote in case anybody is still running Windows 10, like me, and they don't encounter the issue that maybe if you're running Windows 11, you might encounter the issue. I, and I, I take issue with this because Windows 10 is old. Windows 10 is old and... I, do, I have not seen the issues that people want to say there are with Windows 11. And so I, I don't necessarily agree because Windows, Windows 10 will eventually go away. It is, it is eventually yes. going to go away. And Windows 11 is the here and now. And I so, wasn't poking at Windows 11. <laughs> I was just saying if somebody is using Windows 10 and they don't run into this, it's, they could be because it's Windows 10 versus Windows 11. I don't know. I am planning on upgrading to Windows 11 later this year during the break. That's like the big thing that I'm planning on doing. I've already had to use Windows 11 on some some limited work computers, and I am slow. Talk about a UI change. I'm slowly learning that one 
as well because it is a different ui especially yeah. if you've been used to the windows way back to windows 7 all the way <laughs> to windows 10 uh, it is a, a bit of a change it's probably as much of a change as windows xp was from uh windows 3.1 i forget the the sequential there was me in there and vista in there as well but anyway windows 3.1 all, all the way to what it looks like today it, that that is as big of a change in my opinion as windows 10 is to windows 11 so I, i'm going to be doing that i didn't want to detract from this i just wanted to state that that might be a a, a difference between the two on davinci resolve you said rebooting fixed it yeah so and you've not re-encountered the issue at all no but i'm glad that you threw out that theory because i have another theory for you about what it might have been thanks to our wonderful discord server because today we actually got a comment from a, a wonderful listener and that was Scatmaker. Scatmaker came in and said quote he i think steven dodged a bullet on his timing to switch back to resolve since the initial rollout of 18.6 was quite buggy, but luckily Blackmagic Design was quick to push out two new updates to address the various issues. And then I asked him when those came out, and he had said uh, 18.6 was September 15th. Last Friday, we got 18.6.1, which is what I was on because I upgraded the next day, apparently. Uh, and then yesterday, we got 18.6.2, which um, I have not gotten to upgrade that yet. So it may very well be... A, an operating system related issue very well could be i don't know i didn't dig into logs but also apparently there's issues with 18.6 so you know thanks scatmaker for letting us know about that do appreciate that um but it sounds like there's definitely some bugs there so davinci resolve to baseline it is a freeware program it, it's also paid but there's a freeware level which you can use to edit video and audio for your podcast. So say you're trying to podcast for free, right? And you connect to your co-host using Video Ninja and you record on OBS. Then you could take those files, you can throw them in DaVinci Resolve, and you could do your entire production process for free, basically using all of that. Exactly. Yeah. Wow, I, I'm Wico Widow is is blowing my mind here. He said October twenty twenty four is end of life for Windows ten, and and I did not realize that. And so, um, I think you know we talked about Windows on here before, and we've talked about how you know you want to be aware when and and just software in general, how you want to be aware when software does uh, end support and some of the things that can come with that. And there is a large portion of people that still are not in on Windows eleven, so. I won't be surprised to see the usual Microsoft treatment be applied to this down the road if we get once we get to October. I won't be surprised if that happens. You mean delay rollout? Delay, delay end of life or, you yeah. know, offer some form of thing that's not technically ending, ending end of life, but it is uh, making it easier for people to stick on it a while longer. Yeah, I remember when XP ended a life and they, they literally said when you logged in is it's, you know, you you need to go get a new computer basically. And, <laughs> uh, I only have one computer in the house and that's the computer I'm using right now that is capable of running windows 11. So my old podcast machine, my laptops, I have one for work and one for, um, uh, podcasting. I'm, I'm going to need to replace those yeah. because none of them are capable of running windows 11, which is a shame that it's it's a lot of money basically that I'm going to have to dole out in the next couple of years in order to upgrade everything. 
So I've been that that's been in the back of my mind. Like, gosh darn it, I'm gonna have to uh throw out money for all this stuff. Now, in truth, do I need more than just the one like like desktop podcast machine? Probably not, but I I would like to have a second one in Studio C in the basement. And that's literally what it's called, by the way, Studio C in the basement. And then I would like to have the ability to have a laptop to take with me when I travel again. And then I would like to keep my work life separate. So I want that on a separate machine. So I don't need the top of the line for work. I just need something to be able to, you know, tunnel into a VPN. Right. So I'm not really worried about the cost factor there other than I have to, you know, buy a new machine for it. But the rest of them, yeah, I, I, I'm worried about it. I'm worried about the literally thousands of dollars. Um, I'm going to replace this machine eventually. It was in the three to five year realm. So I might wait until it's end of life that Windows 10 is end of life and then switch over to a new one and then put this machine down in Studio C. I, I'll probably wait for that, but the laptop is probably going to have to happen earlier. Yeah, So I hear you on that. I'm, I'm the same way with my laptop. Luckily, I don't use it much for podcasting anymore. Um, uh, there was one thing, though, actually, before we get off of DaVinci Resolve that I wanted. To, well, okay. we got off this first DaVinci Resolve point that I wanted to mention. Uh, when I upgraded, there was a big screen that says what's new in DaVinci Resolve 18.6. And there's something that just stood right out to me for podcasters. And it it was uh, it listed a bunch of features. And one of the features said audio normalization on renders, quote, normalization to the desired target audio loudness standard, end quote obviously I want to look into this and obviously I'm lazy and obviously I haven't looked into it yet, but that is, you know, something that I think is potentially a real good thing for podcasters to normalize the loudness. We've talked about this before is that, that there is a difference between true loudness, true gain and perceived loudness. People's people hear things differently. And sometimes even though you might look at a waveform and it might look like they're even and they might technically be at the same level. Someone will sound a lot different than the others because of what's called perceived loudness. Um, and so I want to look into that. That looks like a feature that might make me really happy. I went back because, hey, I always struggle. This is an area I always struggle with. And and I will admit a good portion of it is me because I've talked about this before. We we are we are very different people the way we present. And I am always very jealous of you because you have a very consistent tone, a very consistent um, waveform and a consistent delivery. And sometimes I'm almost mumbling. Sometimes I'm like, ah, ah, and so I was just like, it is a pain for me to try to do the, the audio normalization on a regular basis. And I always struggle. I always struggle to find that. So I I'm looking forward to seeing what this has in store. Just be, be careful about <laughs> what you find on the, you know, the other side of the, uh, the septic tank, you know, grass is always greener in the septic tank because I have a softer voice. I, I literally do. And I discovered that when I was with other podcasters and I had to crank the gain up or I had to have the gain cranked up on my channel when I was sharing a mic with Chris Farrell, who is very loud, and then me is very quiet, and it was just, it was very awkward. And it was the first time I came to the 
determination that I have a very quiet voice, which brings in its own issues, especially when you're using a mic such as Mm. the Shure SM7B that requires a lot of gain to begin with. If you have a quiet voice, then you're in down in the muddling land. So it's just be careful what you wish for, Stephen, and be glad that you do have a loud voice. (laughs) Oh, end of life is 2025, by the way. Oh, Rob said in the in the chat. So we have a couple more years, but yes, we still will be having to buy new uh, new machines. Well, I I suppose that means that for the rest of the show, I will not be able to call you Weeko Widow. I will have to go back to Weekow Widow. <laughs> no, thank you very much for that. We greatly appreciate that, Weeko Widow. Uh, thank you very much. And the other thing that I just want to quickly mention about DaVinci Resolve, just to quickly get this off the table, is um, uh, TikTok algorithm worked for me. The t- TikTok algorithm um, presented me a uh, video that was about some DaVinci Resolve tips. And then I got a whole bunch more. And uh, honestly... That was a really exciting, really enjoyable weekend on TikTok where I just kept getting fed so many random DaVinci Resolve clips and I have a whole bunch saved that I want to look up these different tips. But one of the things I found really interesting um, that I thought was worth a mention on the heels of our talk about social media last week and talking about how if you do a video show, you've got those clips available for promo. Well, on a lot of these video uh, social medias, a big thing, and I totally respect this, even though it causes a lot more work for the individuals, um, is the accessibility and and actually um, embedding or, or I don't burning in captions into the video. Um, and he, personally, I'm I'm a bigger fan of just allowing people to toggle them on and off, but. That doesn't always work that great. And sometimes the generated captions aren't aren't that great. And sometimes it takes an extra step for people than just doing it while they're editing. So a big thing is actually burning in captions to the video where content creators are on their social media videos as people are talking, putting on screen the individual captions. And and a lot of this does, if you trace it back, does trace back to accessibility reasons. So I, I actually really respect this. But that is extra work. And one of the things that I came across was a plugin for DaVinci Resolve called Snap Captions that apparently is part like a technically a free plugin, but it's donationware. And it's something that somebody created that can use the DaVinci Resolve. Um, I guess there's some form of way to generate captions in there. Again, something I have to look into to be able to generate captions and easily have them burnt in on the video. So it's all tailored towards social media. There's actually some other plugins that I saw that was interesting over the weekend, but this is the one I wanted to call out this week. And I want to look into it and and, and have a look to see how well that works. And the fact that it is, you know, uh, uh, DaVinci Resolve, as you mentioned, is free. Um, and this seems to be a free product. I want to take a look. The only thing that I wasn't sure about is whether or not this product required the paid version of DaVinci Resolve. I I Mm. didn't see anything to indicate that, but I'm always cautious, right? Because I haven't tried this myself. That could potentially be a thing, but maybe not. So I'm I'm interested. It's called Snap Captions. It is created by somebody named Orson Lord. And I found a coffee link. Mm -hmm. I'll go ahead and put that in the chat uh, or in the in the chat as well as in the uh, betterpodcasting.com document if you want to check that all out there or the show notes i should say but um yeah yeah and i did full disclosure i googled this link i found this link so 
you know, it, it looks like it's legitimately for, for the creator, but because I Googled it, I just want to give that disclaimer. Yeah, the second line in the description, by the way, said it is a DaVinci Resolve 18.5 plus plugin that allows you to automatically turn a subtitle track into a text plus track. So I don't know if the 18.5 is uh, paid or not. I assume it's not. It's not. No, no. Because so, I'm on 18.6, didn't I say? I think I said So, So you don't need the paid uh uh, the, the paid version also there is a disclaimer if you download it you are subscribed to his email subscription so even though you can pay nothing for it as you download it you will be added to his email list now you could probably unsubscribe but just wanted everybody full disclaimer that it's not completely free you're <laughs> giving enough. away your email address yeah fair enough so anyways, uh, I want to look into that. I'm interested to see. And I know a while back, I believe it was Damien had asked about uh, captions on DaVinci Resolve. I really appreciate that because even though I am not considered somebody that needs it for accessibility reasons, sometimes you're you're like watching something on your phone and you can't have the volume on and you don't have your earbuds in or whatever. And so having those captions run across, especially if you're talking about shareables or something that you're promoting on social media, I think that's uh, definitely well worth it. So something like this, yeah, I might actually look into something like this, even as for my workflow for Vegas. I don't know if it exists or not, but I might look into that. And on the other hand, it just might be too much work i'm lazy <laughs> and is, don't want to do that and that's what i was yeah getting at it is a, it is more work for the creator absolutely it is um but we've talked about you got to know what the trends are in the format and and the place that you're at and this applies here if you are committing to doing social media videos it takes work if you're committing to doing social media videos in a place that expects captions it's going to take more work because you, people will possibly look, turn off your video because you're not fitting into the norm of that platform. So in the situation like TikTok, if that's the expectation, you don't have them. There are people who who will just ignore your video. So you got to be aware of the trends. And, and sometimes that shifts the scale to being like, man, maybe I'm not going to bother spending my time doing these videos. My time is better spent elsewhere on my podcast. So I mentioned before earlier this year that my daughter is expecting and she is expecting around Thanksgiving this year. We're going to, as a reminder, I'm going to be taking uh, at least a month off. So December, there will be no better podcasting episodes or at least no new ones recorded. And that is across the board for all my podcasts. But I do have a podcast related baby story. And that is this past weekend, my daughter had a baby shower and unfortunately, a good part of her husband's family couldn't make it because they're clear across the country and just weren't going to come in specifically for the baby shower. So it was kind of an off again, on again thing. And at the last minute, the night before, at 10 o'clock the night before, I got the, Dad, can you broadcast it on a Zoom call for me, please? I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you don't just throw that. I mean... You just, I need a little bit of time to prepare. You don't just throw it out there. So you got to get the production team together, you know? Yeah. I got to make sure I got the right gear. I got to have, you know, a case to bring everything. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's more of a production for me than it needs to be probably. But 
was able to slap some things together and I was able to slap it together using my podcast gear. Now the space was basically, you think of it in terms of a half gym. That's literally what it was. It was half of what you would see in an elementary school gym. So that size. So with that much echo, that much reverb, and we had about 50 people there. So it's, it's going to get a little noisy, right? So I'm like, Oh, geez, this is just going to be if I used a, a webcam microphone or a, a microphone off of a laptop or whatever, it's just going to you know pick up everything in there and they're not going to be able to hear anything. So I was like, what do I have? What do I have? Yes, yes, I have interview microphones. So I have Sennheiser MD46s, which were literally made for spaces like that. So I grabbed the Moto M2, which is behind me right there. I actually used that this past weekend. It's been up on the stack forever, but I actually used it and I hooked it towards two. It was a couple's baby shower, by the way. So you had women and men there. And so it was, yeah. So the couple was there, my daughter and her husband, and I gave one microphone to each of them and they didn't handhold it. I did use floor uh, tabletop stands on the floor yes. set right in front of them love it so so not not the big stands that you would have a boom arm to which would have been better i only have one by the way so i have i have a really good k&m uh floor stand but i was like no it's only one i'm not gonna bring it so i had the floor stands my mobile floor stands or tabletop stands and it was angled up towards them and I got to tell you, the, the audio quality, while it did pick up some things in the background, it was pretty good at picking them up. So I enabled them to at least communicate back and forth on Zoom so that they could talk to the people on the other side of the country using podcast equipment. Congratulations on that. You, you had short notice. Sounds like an effective setup. You had the gear. Good job. I uh, I am... I tip my hat to you. I don't have one, so you'll have to tip your own hat to yourself. But uh, seriously, fantastic. That is awesome. And uh, I guess, you know, next up, you got to get yourself a, a high quality boom mic and then just stand there the whole baby shower. Just just, you know, booming it. No, that's what uh, that's what the grooms or the, the, the my son in law's friends are for here. Stand here. Hold this. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's for. I'm, I'm too old for that. I, I'm the producer behind the scenes. I'm not the boom operator. Uh, but yeah, it was a success based on that. I used, uh, by the way, a Logitech C920 camera that was on a tripod that I could. So part of the issue is the bride, the uh, my daughter, the, the mother to be. She was um, wanting the crowd that was sitting behind everything to be able to see directly to her. So she didn't want like the setup of the laptop and the speakers to be in the way. So I had to pull them off to the side and I used a tripod to mount the Logitech C920 that was more in line. It was still off to the side, but it was more in line. So it allowed pretty good views back and forth. So yes, my podcasting webcam or a podcast, I've got at least four C920. So it was the one that I put in my bag that I travel with. So the Logitech C920, the Moto M2, the MD46s. And if I would do it again, I would actually, you, you know, my outdoor screen. Yeah. You know, I would, the 10 foot outdoor screen, I would have set that up to broadcast the Zoom screen too, but it was like a bridge too far. 
and uh, I didn't think of it beforehand. So unfortunately, all we had was the the laptop screen. But people that wanted to see the other end, they would join the Zoom call with their cell phones, so they were able to see at least who was talking if they wanted to. And not everybody did. So well, congrats <laughs> and yeah, and I expect multicam setup next time. Yeah, I thought about that and was like, no, because I was like, I could do one camera for for the the couple and then one camera looking back at the crowd. But I'm like, no, I, I don't need to do that. I, I want to be in the part of the shot, which is not in the shot. That's that's what I wanted. So I wanted to be behind the camera. I didn't want to be in the on, on the camera. And um, I unfortunately, because it went for two and a half hours, I and I knew this beforehand, I had to opt for the paid Zoom subscription. Oh, no. So, Yes. So I did one month paid Zoom for $15.99 and then I'm going to cancel. I haven't canceled it yet, but I'm going to cancel it because it's literally the first time I've used Zoom since 2020. So everybody here listening and watching knows exactly the same thing that I'm thinking, which is he's getting just reeled right in there. I'm just going to pay one month and then he's going to forget. So you, the listener and viewer, are responsible for emailing him asking him, have you canceled yet? You are, or come to our Discord somewhere. You're responsible for asking SP until he gives you the answer yes, asking him whether or not he's canceled yet. You're responsible for that listener and viewer. All right, I'll, t- I'll take that on. <laughs> it's my own fault that I haven't canceled it now anyway. <laughs> uh, hey, by the way, uh, what'd you do for Prime Day? I, well, I guess technically it's not Prime Day. It's Prime Deals Day, right? Yeah, this is the last day of two. And of course, there was deals beforehand. Actually, last weekend. So I was finally able to get back into my workout room. For those that don't know, I broke my foot earlier this summer and I haven't been able to use my elliptical or my treadmill for a while. I'm back on them as of this week, or at least the elliptical. And so I went into the workout room for the first time to use stuff. And I found out I had to update everything. I had to update the Roku. I had to update the PS3. Yes, so there's a PS3 down there. I use it to play discs. I had to up. I had to update the elliptical. I had to up, I was just updating things for like four hours on Monday. And one of the things that I had ran into was the fact that the Roku uh, needed an SD card. So I came up here. I used the SD card that I had waiting to go into the Rodecaster Pro 2 for the next time it fills up the SD card. So I was out of SD cards. So luckily it was prime day. So I ordered a couple of these. I ordered a couple of the standard Samsung 256 SD cards. I saved a few bucks on them. Normally they're like 20 bucks and I got them for like, I don't forget what it was, 14, 15 bucks a piece. So saved a little bit money there. So that was my big podcasting spend on, on Amazon deals day was two SD cards. Did you get a Rodecaster Pro 2? I tried. I was looking, there was no Rodecaster Pro 2 deals. I, I actually am disappointed in that because I was going to, I was waiting for it to go down and I was going to spam it out to everybody's, hey, you could get a Rodecaster Pro 2 for $400. You should, you should go do, no, no. Not well, I will tell you that in Canada, it is on right now. It is on for 807 Canadian and what the, is it the list price is 959 usually. Um, I don't know for sure if that's the correct price or not. Um, uh, yeah, it looks like it is right. I'm looking at a couple other random things, and usually it's about the 950, 59 mark. So 150-ish savings right now. But I'm, uh, yeah, 
I'm I'm not interested at this time based off of based off of your comments over the last six months. I think I shall continue on with what I've got until something else comes along in the future. Mm. Well, Good I deal. don't see it on sale here in the United States on Amazon.com. You're on Amazon.ca, exactly. I assume, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't see it on sale here, but uh, they're really pushing the Manu. I don't know how to say it. The M-A-O-N-O Prime Day deals. Uh, they're the Mano. What is this thing called? I forget. They were really pushing it a little bit ago. Their audio interface monocaster. That's right. The the 10-channel podcast mixer with preamp. It's a streaming machine. It's not a recorder. So that's what they're really pushing here. And I'm glad for you that you finally had a deal that those of us in America, in, in the United States, excuse me, because you are in America, um, those of us in the United States don't have. There's lots of maple syrup deals, too. Really? So is it like the um, sugar-free version that's on sale? Why would you have sugar-free maple syrup? Come on. Nobody wants that. <laughs> the, those uh, people that got diabetes from <laughs> drinking too much <laughs> pure maple syrup over the years probably want uh, sugar-free maple syrup. Uh, there was an, another comment we had, by the way, in our Discord that came from Damien the DM. Uh, speaking of road, he had said, uh, well, there had been been a bit of a chat back and forth. So you had put a screenshot in there about a uh, road promo image that was out there. And there was a microphone, I believe, yeah. on a stand yes. that nobody recognized. And so with a little bit of Googling, you discovered that the consensus was this was just a road promo image. And they're known for sometimes putting products in that sometimes never even hit release. Maybe they're uh, just a concept or maybe they're something that they're trying. I'm not sure. But at the moment, we determined this was a, a mic stand that's meant on your desk. Looked kind of nice. Looked like it had a decent heavy base, but was was looked like to be some form of freeform stand. And uh, Josh Liston came in and he said, seeing more and more pictures of in-person, multi-person shows going for the table stand like that one as opposed to boom arms. The impact of video question mark, not having arms blocking cameras and casting shadows all over the place question mark. And yeah, you know, I, I think that some of this mic stand shifting has been a, a change due to uh, for the audio listener. I'm laughing because SP is hiding behind his tree. If you look on the right panel, you will see the wild SP hiding behind his mic stand. Uh, anyways, I, I think that this is the case. I think this is a bit of a trend that that there are people paying more and more attention to video and also simplicity of setups, I think, is a thing. I think that podcasting sometimes is not done in the same place anymore. Sometimes it is people doing things in different locations. And I think simplicity is, is possibly a driver of some of these changes as well. Um, but on, you know, not, not that aspect, but the video aspect, I think like the wave arm LP, LP, the one that I currently use is an example of that. The whole design of that was to keep it low profile. That's why it's called LP out of the shot to keep it out of people doing videos shot and, and keep it sort of low level. It does limit the flexibility of it. The, the, the traditional scissor arms are much more flexible in my opinion. So you know, I think the this is a trend, and he might be right. It could it could be driven by video. So you know, maybe that's what they're looking for. Also, I do see a lot of either libraries, like students in libraries, or maybe businesses that 
have a podcast but don't want to actually put a permanent setup in like a conference room but they still want it to look professional so i could see something like the that sort of arm being put on there by the way the arm clearly had road branding on it road has a definitive little circle like a silver circle on a black background that's Rhodes branding and the base of the microphone stand, the tabletop microphone stand had that branding on it. So Rode has a habit of trying things out or like we were saying in a previous episode, you know, sending out a carrying bag for the original Rodecaster Pro, but not ever selling it. Uh, for the record, by the way, there is a backpack for the Rodecaster Pro 2 that would include slots for pod mics. And I, I don't know if you can fit anything else in there but PodMix, but I know it's branded for the Roadcaster Pro 2 and PodMix. But the original Roadcaster Pro did not have a carrying case with it, but they sent it out as a promotional item, but they never sold it. And everybody was looking for it for quite some time. So this could just be like a promotional item that they had a small short run on and, and maybe is just internal into their own uh, spaces and it was never meant for sales. They do have arms. They do have microphone arms. There's the Rode PSA one, right? So it wouldn't be, be with on beyond the, the reasonable doubt for them to sell it. But yeah, it looks pretty interesting. I think I would want one for my setup, to be honest with you, when I'm doing a second or a third microphone, something like that would work really well. I'm just disappointed that, you know, you said it has a small little circle. I'm just disappointed that they didn't have big road on it multiple times branded right <laughs> across the whole stand kind of like the sure sm7 db no I, i'm actually referring to the psa one plus that's what i'm uh, referring to <laughs> well it seems to be a thing because more and more of these companies realize that their stuff's being used on screen so why not go for the branding yeah yeah why don't you take us to our last point for the night there sp or day or morning wherever you're listening to this at whatever time so I ran across this article and it was five tips for choosing a good podcast name. And it's from a uh, podcast webpage provider called podcast page. So if you go to podcastpage.io, it's on there. And I, you know, we've never really talked about the title for your show before in depth. So I was just taking a look at it and it kind of made sense. So the, before they went into the five definitive things, they ran over some general aspects of a title to look into like your title should be short and they're saying less than 29 characters in most cases i can kind of see that you know i actually was counting the letters in better podcasting <laughs> it's under 29 so that's one thing another thing is that if you have good wordplay that you can throw in there maybe it's okay if you go over 29 characters as long as it's decent wordplay I think better podcasting is wordplay in itself. So our podcast name kind of fits both right in there. And then good podcast names are usually unique. So you're not uh, able to be confused with anything else. And uh, you can reinforce an existing brand. And that's one of the things I was talking about earlier in the show where the better podcasting live chat was playing off of the brand of better podcasting. If you're a celebrity, you absolutely want to have like your name or your nickname in the podcast title just for SEO capabilities. But the five tips that were shown in there was identify your target audience, communicate your subject or your niche that you're talking about, use a target keyword, keep it simple, and make sure the podcast name is available. So 
if you want to be unique, you don't copy a title that is in use, whether that's in the past and it's like a pod faded show. You just don't want to be confused with that. So I would want to make sure that the URL is available as well, not just the podcast name. But if you're a, a corporate structure and you need branding and trademarking and copywriting and everything like that, you want to make sure that nobody's ever used that podcast name before. And since there's been so many podcasts, like millions of podcasts now, it's a little bit dicey trying to find that unique name that nobody's used before. But I would agree on for the most part on these tips of choosing a podcast name. So if you're just starting into podcasting and you're wondering, yeah, what should I name my podcast? You could use like chat GPT to ask for a few names or, or stuff like that. But I would definitely take these things into account. You want to have a relatively short title. You don't want to go on forever and you want to be unique. You want to have it relating to your subject matter and you want it catchy and all that. So yeah, I, I would say that you know, in a nutshell, in a two minute nutshell. Yeah, I would agree with this article. So what you're saying is that SP's super podcast of doom is off the table. No, I think that's a good wordplay one. I okay. think that's on the table. Yeah. <laughs> Along with the road microphone stand. It's they're both on the table, they're, right? They're both on the table, but soon they will be off the table. No, it depends on how drunk you are and how much you wave your light your hands, you know, as you're podcasting Just that maple syrup. Uh, well, let us know what you thought about everything we talked about today. Go to betterpodcasting.com forward slash contact and tell us all about your thoughts there. And hey, if you have anything you'd like us to talk about in the future, please get in touch with us through any of the way, ways that we've mentioned. I don't know why I said way, but uh, let us know through any of the ways because we do craft our document ahead of time of the different things we might want to talk about. But if you, the listener or viewer, have something to say, we often do put that in there right away and you have a suggestion for us, we'll usually prioritize that. So let us know. We're always taking suggestions. Won't always take those suggestions, but we, we will accept them. Yeah, we'll read them. I mean, Fair we enough. might not talk about them. Fair enough. I mean, I, I, as long as I can teach Stephen to read, because sometimes words are hard for him. <laughs> words are hard for me. And on that note, for episode number 66 of Better Podcasting Live Chat. I'm Steven saying, I can't tell if my show's 29 characters or not. I can't count to 29. MSP saying, it's mid-October, so I would expect Steven's holiday light display to be underway. No comment. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.